you're not abandoned in your grief and in your loss and in your dark moment. That there's a companion with you, right? Story after story in the story in the Bible tells us that, you know, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, right, were in the fiery furnace, condemned to die. And then there was a fourth in the fire with them. That's the characteristic of this God. This God is not a big, not big on rescuing us all the time from difficult seasons, but is with us in difficult seasons. It was in the fiery furnace. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Hey, Bishop. Good morning. How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) A a loaded question given this morning's devotional. (laughs) Yeah, so let's talk about it. Uh, this week's devotion is called Brokenhearted, and you're reflecting on the power of being real and raw with God like the psalmists do so well. If you were a bookseller and had to sell the books of Psalms. Oh, my God. What a good question. I, I think I would say, you mm. know, <laughs> the real lives of real people revealed. Uh, something like that, because what I love about the Psalms is, is that they're so emotionally honest. You know, there's there's vengeance in there, there's sorrow in there, there's for being forsaken in there, there's, you know, ecstasy in there, um, there's, you know, an ocean of gratitude in there. I mean, there, there, there's everything in there. And, and the reason why I think that's so important is because I think uh, you and I getting down to an authentic relationship with ourselves uh, there's a direct line from that to an authentic relationship with God. Hmm. Well, you sold me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now I just have to write the book. <laughs> That's right. I love it. Uh, when I read your devotion, I immediately thought of Sheryl Sandberg. I don't know if you know who she is. She's the COO mm-hmm. of Facebook. Sure. And a while back, her husband, Dave Goldberg, the former CEO of SurveyMonkey, died at 47 from massive heart failure. And after the 30 days of Shalashim, um, when that, when that was over, she posted a really moving essay on grieving. Um, and I, friends, I say this, if you don't, if you haven't read this, I would highly recommend you Google it. It's all over. You can't miss it. Um, I think it's an important one for everyone to read and especially pastors. Yeah. So she takes exception to the question, how are you? You know, because a lot of people will just say, how are you? But when she's in grief and mourning and, you know, what do you say to that? So she explains why, how are you today is a better question. And I know that's how you ended your devotion. So that's wisdom to me. I'm wondering how and why we've been conditioned to not take all our junk to God. Oh, you know, you know how that goes. I mean, I, I think that uh, we've been conditioned in our families and just in polite society to just give the sort of most antiseptic version of ourselves, right? Um, and and we do that. We do that without texture, color, or nuance because, you know, number one, that's what we've been taught to do. And then number two, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that none of us are fine. We usually answer, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Well, I've, we've learned over life, and if we're honest, that we're not actually fine. I mean, we're sort of trying to hold it all together to varying degrees, right? 
And so, you know, in a polite exchange with people in the office or at the coffee pot or, or you know, maybe even over a text message, you know, do you really want to go into that? Well, I'm feeling depressed today and I'm feeling anxious today. I mean, you know, so we sort of spare others and we spare ourselves, I think. And the danger, of course, if this is our long term strategy or way to be, is that we end up as a, in a very superficial sort of emotional place, right? We end up superficially in relationship with ourselves, superficially in relationship with others. And the great danger, I think, is superficially in relationship to God. And so the psalmist invites us, as, as well as Sheryl Sandberg, invite us to just say, no, how am I really doing today? And to find a place, a person, someone where you can go deep uh, you know, with that. And uh, for us, it's not only one another as part of Christian fellowship, but it's it's with God, and you know when our prayers are more honest, I think that's a it increases the likelihood to be receptive of a more honest answer from God. I mean that that sort of goes together, and so you know I like the psalmist who says, "Hey, we've been afflicted, we've been oppressed, and God, won't you just kill all their children?" Right? <laughs> I don't think God is ready to sit there and just sort of effect that. But what I think it's 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 cathartic to be able to say it because the truth of the matter is is that we do bear vengeance and do we do want revenge, et cetera. It's not our better it's not our better set of angels, but we we have those if we're honest, right? And so I might as well sort of cough it all up. And who to who best to cough it all up with than God? Well, I I think it's important to to be able to be honest with God and and bring everything to God. And yet I'm also wondering what it means to us. Like, are we even honest with ourselves right. about how we're feeling in any given moment in time? Right. And, you know, that's denial, right? Uh, that long river in Africa, it's it's denial, right? And so there there's no there's nothing helpful there. Or it's euphemism, or we just uh, build a home in in discouragement. Uh, and and live there. And so again, what I think we've got to believe in is is that uh, you know uh, a- after crucifixion, uh, there may come a period of silence, but joy comes in the morning. And so I, I think we've got to practice that. And one of the ways to practice that is being able to be in your Good Friday, and being able to hold steady in your silent Saturday on the way with the assurance of our scripture and of our Lord that your Easter Sunday is coming. And I think that's one of the reasons why we get bogged down in superficiality, right? Because um, we don't want to talk about our Good Friday. We're struggling like hell to deal with the silence, uh, you know, that comes before an outcome uh, on the way to sort of our Easter moment. But for us as Christians, that is the rhythm of our life, and we bring that into the big and the small things of our life. So for Sheryl Sandberg, it was the grief of losing a husband. And for many of us, it's maybe even the loss of losing someone in COVID or the loss of our life uh, you know, in this pandemic. For people right now in Afghanistan, it's the, it's the loss of an advocate and ally in the U.S. government, and so on and so on and so on. But it is to be honest with that, right? Because what we believe is, is that to be honest in grief creates a space where hope can authentically be sort of born. To not do that is to give ourselves short shrift, to give our emotions short shrift, uh, and to ultimately not really believe in the hope that is to come, right? So one of the most hopeful things we can do is to say where we really are right now with, as the psalm says, the assurance that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, 
right? I mean, we're denying ourselves the uniqueness of placement alongside the Lord when we deny the fact that we're brokenhearted. Hmm. Gosh. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions now and I'm going to ask them after we get back after a short break. (laughs) This is Four People producer Easton Davis thanking you for listening to Four People. Four People is a space of digital evangelism dedicated to sharing the good news and leadership of Jesus Christ. Who do you know that needs to hear today's episode? Who do you want to hear it? Subscribe to Four People and keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Welcome back to Four People. Bishop, we were talking about authentic selves, bringing them to God and also um, authentic with ourselves and, and in others. And I can't help but wonder, sometimes I... Sometimes I wonder if it's better just to not ask, how are you? <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, sometimes we don't want the answer, right? Well, well, I actually don't know that we're ever prepared for the answer because it's become such a, you know, uh, a trite thing to yeah, ask, yeah, you know? that's right. So I know your devotion is more about prayer because it's the Psalms, which are prayers. yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if you have any advice on um, for how best to come alongside someone who is suffering or brokenhearted. Is there a good way or a not so good way to do that? Yeah, you know, it varies, right? Um, it, it's, it varies. And, and some people uh, need you to come alongside of them, uh, you know, in silence, in what I call silent support, right? And for those of us who are, who are quick to provide solutions, that's a challenging environment for us because we want to fix it or... Or, or, or worse, we want to, we want to sort of uh, uh, vomit all of our uh, uh, spiritual platitudes to them, right? And that's not exactly what, what somebody might need. And then there are other people who do need a word uh, and who need a prayer uh, and who need a hug, right, or our hand on the shoulder. And so I, I think what we've got to do is, is that we've got to use our emotional intelligence, right? Or we've simply got to ask, how can I best support you right now? Right. How can I best support you? You know, one of the things that people will say to me as a as a clergy person from time to time is, you know, would you pray for me? And of course, we we're, we're well intended in those moments. So, yes, I will. But I have found a lot of power in saying, let's pray right now. You know, just to, to hold a hand and just to say, you know, and, and not try to be, you know, uh, uh, Shakespeare or Wadsworth. Right. But just to sort of say, here we are, God standing before you. And uh, this is a trouble season for us. And we just really need your power and your love and your grace. Gosh, and, I wish we could do more of that, Bishop. Yeah. And we, and I think we should. And, and, and I think that um, that's on the way to real Christian community. Look, you know, being able to confess where you are is me being authentic. And when I model authenticity, what, what's funny is, is that ends up being infectious. And then others will take a half step more to being authentic. And then, you know, over a period of time, what we've got is an authentic community. Right. Uh, if we don't do things like that and if the norm, I mean, we're, we are social animals. And so if if we send the message out across the community, the culture, the group, the team that, you know, nothing honest is welcome here, then that's what we'll get back. And I, I think that hinders everything from productivity to innovation, uh, you know, to, to I mean, just about everything. And so I, I think there are appropriate ways to invite 
uh, authenticity, to give it cover if you happen to be in a leadership position, to welcome it, uh, to invite it out of the corners. Because I think at the end of the day, that's what we really want to be as a, an authentic community, uh, a place where we can bring our full selves. And when we can do that, I think everything increases, team spirit, esprit de corps, right, innovation, all those things. So, I mean, there's a real tangible benefit for figuring out how we can be authentic and get that in the room. I love that. Well, as a society, I mean, we're clearly still in a desert season. And I feel like earlier on in the pandemic, a lot of people were talking about grief and mourning and lament and all of that stuff. And yet here we are a year and a half later, uh, and we're still dealing with this shit. Yes, right, (laughs) right, right. And, and, you know, so it's one of mourning and lament still. Yes. Because whatever the season is, it's certainly one filled, it's certainly one filled with uncertainty. And that's, so that's right. I'm wondering if you have any ideas on ways the church might be better, like might be better situated and poised to name and grieve as that authentic community of yeah. people. Yeah. Well, you know, I um one of my favorite books, and I've I've quoted it again and again. One of my favorite books is a, a book by a guy by the name of Walter Brueggemann who talks about the three urgent tasks that are left to the church right now, right? Reality, grief, and hope. Reality, grief, and hope. And, and, and the movement is simple. Get uh, the, the work of the church is to get reality in the room, right? In a, in a lying and false, in, in a culture is given to falsehood. How, how do we get reality in the room? That's our work. What's the reality here, right? Because the truth of the matter is we default to denial and euphemism. Uh, movement number two is, is that when we get reality in the room, oftentimes there's a lot of grief. Uh, there's loss. And so we're supposed to use our ancient wisdom from our 6,000 or more years of being people of faith, right? 2,000, obviously, of being Christian, but, we, but Jesus was a Jew, so we're the inheritors of all, of all of that genius, right? How do we get loss in the room? How do we get grief in the room in all of its constructive, right, um, modalities? How do, we, how do we get it said? How do we get it in the room? How do we develop capacity to sit with it? Um, and not bury it, not give it short shrift, uh, not become a slave to it, right? But harness it, right? And then, of course, reality, grief. And then it's only when we do that piece well, the grieving piece well, is when we're really ready uh, to receive hope in all of its gentle and then not so subtle forms. And so I, I think what I would hope for us in the churches is that we would not uh, sort of level platitudes with people, but we would stick to the script, if you will, right? And we've got a long and deep and great script in our Old and New Testaments about what did, I mean, this is one of the great things about the Bible, right? Is, is that these were communities of people catching hell, trying to believe, you know, and hope against hope. And so, so we don't have to go further than our fingertips, right, uh, from Genesis to Revelation to, to distill, uh, you know, practices and paradigms and, and find a way to connect those communities who grieved long ago to our community that's grieving now, uh, to connect those uh, communities who are dealing with uncertainties, real political upheaval, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, and, and connect those communities from then to our communities now. And I, I think that's really the job of lay and ordained leaders of, 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 you know, of great effect. And that is to ably do that, right? We don't need any more hacks, right? What we need is people who are able and have some sophistication at being able to do that because that, that I think is what 
the world will actually stop and listen to the church for. If we have some ability to talk about this with some great depth, right, and some great facility, then I think uh, we deserve to be listened to. But if we're just as trite as everybody else, then I say, leave us alone, right? We have we have nothing to say. Point in case, uh, case in point, rather. So, so who does this well? Well, you know, uh, Desmond Tutu did, did, did this and his cohorts did this amazingly well, right? They, they found a way to exercise, right, uh, all the harm and the injury that people had done to one another by facilitating something called truth and reconciliation, right? There's many other examples, but this is an example that's sort of popular. And so they created a space to do exactly what we're talking about, get reality in the room, right, to name the grief, the loss, the pain, the injury, right? On the way with the full assurance that hope follows that. They did that, right? And while South Africa is not a perfect nation, I argue that it is at least spiritually and emotionally a a bit more healthy than we are, who have been in denial about the ways in which we've hurt one another for more than 200 years. And so, uh, you know, we, we could go down this road uh, but but I, I think this 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 road is really gift. These are breadcrumbs, right, left to grandma's house, if you will, right, um, about how to be sane in an insane world, how to be transformed in a world that wants to, con- you know, sort of disfigure us, right? And so when the psalmist says that the Lord is near to the crushed and brokenhearted, you know, that is an invitation to hope. Right. Point, point blank. That is an invitation. To hope. So so somehow I'm not abandoned. And this is what we need to hear. And this is what people need to hear is that you're not abandoned in your grief and in your loss and in your dark moment. That there's a companion with you. Right. Story after story in the story in the Bible tells us that, you know, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. Right. were in the fiery furnace condemned to die. And then there was a fourth in the fire with them. That's the characteristic of this God. This God is not a big, not big on rescuing us all the time from difficult seasons, but is with us in difficult seasons. It was in the fiery furnace, right, with those uh, those boys of uh, of uh, of you know an ancient uh, culture. And so this is what we're saying. We're saying that have at least that much hope that you're not abandoned. You're not left to your own devices. This is not some sort of therapy trip here. We're telling you the God of the cosmos is beside you and that the God of the cosmos is to be trusted with your brokenheartedness. Gosh, trusted and truth. They both have this, the first same three letters. <laughs> <laughs> but Bishop, you know, we talk about truth telling is so important to, you know, reconciliation and being able to name the truth. Have you yet read Cast by Isabel Wilkerson? No, my great Howard University sister. I started reading it, but I have not gotten very far, I must uh, say. I love like in the beginning of the book where she kind of equates society to a house. And if you're a homeowner living in a house, whether you built the house or you just happen to move into it as an heir to the house, the structure, uh, you can choose not to see the the you know flooded basement. You can choose not to look, but it, just because you're not looking at it doesn't mean that it's not there. No, that's exactly right. I mean, you can you can not open a piece of mail, but that doesn't deny the fact of the mail and its contents, right? Right. You can, you can leave it on the dining room table if you want to, right? Um, yeah. So no, I mean it's a it's a great it's a great example. It's a great metaphor, right? Um, and you know, it's interesting that the psalm goes on to say, you know, that the brokenhearted, the crushed of spirit, should take refuge 
in God. And that, that's the other thing. So, so, so refuge, not in my ability to deny, not in my ability to what I call euphemize things, right? But refuge in God. And if I trust God with my brokenheartedness now, and I learn something walking with God over those contours, this is what accrues to faith. And this is what accrues to spiritual maturity, right? So as I have walked, you know, real world faith in my real life with a real God, right? Then I actually have something to say. There's no sadder thought to me than a Christian who thinks they have to perform faith rather than to give voice to the faith they have actually held on to uh, through difficulties. Uh, and, so, and so this is a real opportunity here uh, to, you know, God makes souls, it seems, right, in the hot fire of trouble. Souls are made in, you know, on, on the anvil of real life. And, uh, and we can decide, you know, sort of that we, we're satisfied with, a, an, you know, sort of a shallow version of that. Or we can say, here I am, God. You know, I'm made in your image. Uh, let me know you. Hmm. Bishop, thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's wisdom, but I, I mean, I, I, I mean, really, I mean, you know, the, this is the accrued. If I'm saying anything to somebody today, it, this is this is accrued, right? I have the scars from this, and and other people have let me borrow their scars, and and I think that's the last thing I want to say is I, I want to say that there's somebody who needs to hear how you walk with God in your brokenheartedness so that they can walk with God in their brokenheartedness. This is not about, this is not about trite personal piety. This is about the wisdom of the faith community being shared to create faith in the world. Yeah, man. And thanks be to God for that. Well, friends, thank you for listening to Four People. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.